Transferring wealth successfully starts with asking yourself questions that will give your family a better life now and for generations to come. In this podcast, financial professionals John and Michael from Copper Beach Financial Group guide you through eye-opening questions to help you discover the truth about your wealth. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to The Truth About Wealth with John and Michael Paris of Copper Beach Financial Group. Gentlemen, how are you? We're doing great, Eric. Doing good, how Eric. Are how are you? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. We are I'm in a the, new grandpa the, today. Congratulations. I, you know, I had heard rumor yeah. about being a new grandpa. <laughs> and who's the lucky yeah. one? My youngest daughter had delivered a beautiful little girl this morning at 4 o'clock in the morning. Nice. Nice. Yeah, number three for the Paris claim. All right. Uh, well, that's all exciting. Girls. That's huge all news. Girls. God bless all, is it all girls? All girls, yeah. <laughs> I have two, and now another one just joined the fray. <laughs> oh, man. That's that's exciting. That's that's always good news. What a blessing that is. Um, yeah, it's terrific. Yeah, which, it you know, it's, it's interesting that you brought that up because this is, it plays right into what we're talking about today, and that's Absolutely. Yeah. individual families have individual needs. And today you guys said you're going to be talking about something very specific. Why don't you, why don't you give the audience a clue as what we're talking about? Yeah, today. I'll start, I'll start the conversation t- today. This, this, uh, this, this podcast today is going to be one that's going to be difficult to deliver in a certain way because it's, it's a very stressful concept. It's special needs planning. Mm. And, and, and how this all started years ago when I started in my practice, I started to bounce into families because, you know, here at Copper Beach, uh, we do all family planning. We started to bounce into children with special needs. I, I need to understand more in depth on what that meant to the families and how they dealt with it. And, and it, it rose a lot of stress in these families just trying to figure out all the pieces of social security and how to get mm-hmm. benefits and all the different things and trust designs. So I, I started to learn about it and, and I was so serious about knowing about it. Uh, a good friend of mine who be on the next podcast, Mike Byrne and I went and got certified to understand more about this world. He happens to have a daughter who of special needs. So he was very close to it and I got to understand it. Uh, but I want to get into more of the global issues today, and I'm going to let this gentleman, Mike Byrne, who's going to be our next podcast with us, to get more into the details. And we can talk a little bit about that later. But let me start with a family that I met years ago, and they had two special needs children out of four. Both had autism. And he was referred to me by a broker that I knew, and he said, you know, you have these two wonderful children. You need to talk to um, this gentleman I work with um, that he's pretty knowledgeable in that arena. So I, I brought uh, this client in and we had the conversation and it was a very, very hard one. He had two, as I said, two special needs children that, that had different issues between them. Mm-hmm. And he had no trust done. He had no life insurance. He had no recommendation from any of his advisors on how to deal with this issue and struggling with how I'm going to take care of these children through my lifetime. And we got in this very, very deep conversation. And his wife, Jeannie, she's a real sweetheart. And they struggle with how do we deal with all this? And there's three areas that I, in my my practice, in, in this particular arena, that I realized were the key pieces. One was money. Do I have enough money to take care of this child? Mm-hmm. The second was the benefits side of the world. How do I get 
Social Security help me or whatever benefits the government give me? And when do they go away? And what happens after the child becomes of age? And the third one is how do I protect this child from if I suddenly passed away and what's the, what's the um, transition of this child to the next level? And I started to understand how deep that was. And what I, what I mean by deep is that, is that clients really don't understand how to deal with it. So I started to realize that their world was very stressed by these two children who they love dearly. How do I take care of it? So one of the things we came across was guardianship, which mm-hmm. is a big, big problem. I'll give you an example, Eric. If, if, if you had a special needs child, and I'm assuming you and your wife would love that child deeply. Absolutely. And you suddenly passed away, what happens to that child? Where does that child go? Mm-hmm. Who's now taking care of that child? Now, what's interesting you see in families, which is a beautiful thing, the sisters, the siblings step up. Listen, I'll take care of little Johnny if that's what you need because I love him to death. He's an important part of our family. We'll take care of him. Well, what I found along the way that all the siblings said, I'm willing to step in, the husband said, wait a minute. That means we have to take care of our kids plus this wonderful special needs child. How are we going to do that? Mm-hmm. So I want you to just think about that for a second. So the stress point is, how do I get this child in a position where they're being taken care of by someone who loves as much as I do? Now, there's a lot of groups out there. And one of the groups I work with in Philadelphia called the Devereaux Foundation, they, they had a very unique process to take care of these children through residential communities and schools. But these families are not aware of, what do I do with these, these children? Something happens to me. So we used to spend a good hour or two each time we met talking about making sure these kids are taken care of. And how do I financially support them? And, and that, that, that's heart-wrenching. And mm-hmm. all the estate planning changes when you have a special needs child. Yeah. So, so when, you, when you have this conversation, you come across these children in these families, it's a very, very difficult process to go through. And it's a long process. And it's tedious. And it's heart-wrenching. And one of the other areas we come across is no one knows this child better than I do. Mm-hmm. Now, I'll give you a story. I had a, a woman I worked with years ago. Um, she had a, she had a child, special needs, and she had a lot of very different uh, parts of of how do I say she, the child was um, high level autism, and and different changes occurred in her life as she started to grow up, and and this woman would put put a book together to try to figure out how do I manage this child, and one of the things we talked about is I want you to imagine Eric. I'll go back to you for a second. And you had a special needs child and your wife delivered that child in the delivery room. And the nurses said, something's not right. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden the doctors came in, the specialists came in and they find out that this something's not right. From that point on, everyone needs to know what's not right and what needs to be done and what doctors were involved and what decisions were being made. As that child gets older, that needs to be documented. So, I, so, so what happens is I'll, I'll give you a story, another story. If, if, you don't, if you don't have that documented and that mom passes away, who knows that child? Yeah, you no know one. the dad. But they don't get involved. Mom usually runs the house. Dad's mm. out working, most mm. cases. 
So even the dad, although he understood all the basics, didn't understand wow. the challenges this child had, like camps they went to, friends they had, mm-hmm. um, associations they felt they had to be involved with or wanted to be involved with. If that changes, how does that change that child? So what happens is when you look at these, these families, someone's got to create a, a, a track about how to make sure people understand what's going on with this child. So we created a book. I call it the Book of Love, where from we teach families start documenting from the beginning everything that everyone seems to want to know about this child in case something happened to you. Mm-hmm. And we help build this book to track that. So God forbid something happens to mom, this book can be delivered to the next guardian and say, here's what works with this wonderful child, here's what doesn't work with this wonderful child. So, so when you get in these, you can see you get in these conversations, it's hard because you, you struggle between these, all, all these family issues and people on the guardianship side, how it all is going to work. And, there's, and most families we come across have no guide. They have no story to tell about this child. So I, I want to make sure that, that as, I, as I talk about this today, there's, there's emotional components to this always that has to be addressed. It's just not the technical side. It's just not the trust side. It's all the technical guardianship issues, who's going to take care of this child. Um, Michael, I know that you looked into a bunch of this stuff as we work with families of special needs. What, what, what were your findings of some of the documents that you reviewed? Yeah, I, I had to do uh, a little bit of research on this podcast. I, I don't have quite the history of working with special needs families as, as you do, Dad. Um, but the one thing that was consistent to me in doing the research was really, and you alluded to this, was sort of all of the emotional uh, parts of this of the, of special needs planning that have to really be dealt with, and I, and one thing that I know from working with our families in and particularly the estate planning realm, they there's a lot of emotion on that side and that and that design of that plan. But when you add now a special needs child or somebody that needs this extra care, that really can can almost overwhelm a family to even start planning. Mm-hmm. And that's one one consistent thing that I saw, which is oftentimes it's almost as if, although the need is greater to do this planning, there's almost um, it's almost more difficult to actually accomplish it. I wonder if you came across a lot. You mentioned guardianship as being a, a big a component of this. Do, do you find that there's a lot of uh, stall uh, stalling of of starting this plan? Yeah, and, and, and I'll give you an example. I worked with, at one time, 10 families that I started to work with way back when. And only one family implemented anything that we recommended. And the big stumbling block was the guardianship issue. That was the big stumbling mm-hmm. block. Where does this child go? And, it, and it's, it's hard. It, it, and for example, here in where I live in New Jersey, when the child come of age and they can now stay in a residence, that's, that has some specialty with Social Security kind of watching over it. Um, it's a five-year backlog here in New Jersey. At least it used to be. Wow. I don't know what it is today. But a five-year backlog, get one of these residential communities for these special needs children. So there's a challenge on understanding what can go wrong versus what could go right. And you have to really dig in deep and work with advisors that understand this side of the world because it's very, very difficult. Uh, if you look at the autism rates right now, it used to be... One out of twelve hundred. I don't. I don't know the exact numbers. Now it's one out of thirty that that I read about. So there's a lot of families with with children of autism that need to be taken care of. Someone along the line with either a social security benefit or a family guardianship or governance. So it's a, it 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 really is a challenge. 
Um, I was asked by the Devereaux Foundation to speak at a school in northern New Jersey. And I walked up and I, I, I went to the session. The room, Eric, the room was packed mm. with about 50 families and they brought their children, especially these children, to this meeting. And these families knew a lot and they, they were very educated, but they're, they're all pretty much in that same, what if this happens, what do I do yeah. kind of scenario. And I, and I gave this presentation for about an hour and you could see families actually crying in the room, the things that we were talking about, because they, they, it, 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 it resembles what, what they were challenged with their own kids. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing when you see these families, they're very close knit. They're all in the same boat together and, but they all have the same issues. How do I address the, the what if scenarios with my children? How, who's going to take care of these children? Do I have enough money to take care of these children? And that's where we started getting involved with these trust structures. Now, Michael will tell you there's two basic trusts that you can get involved with. One is a third-party trust. That means the trust could be set up by anybody for the benefit of that child. Mm-hmm. And they get funded with money. They could send checks to it. They can send gifts to it. But the trust is a supplemental trust on top of what they get from Social Security. And there's something called a D4A trust, which is a trust that if the child has money from a settlement or some kind of an inheritance, it goes mm-hmm. into that trust and it doesn't eliminate them out of the Social Security world. But the two very different trusts, and again, I won't get into the weeds with them today, but I explained to these families at this meeting how these two trusts work, and they didn't they didn't really understand it because they're legal folks, although we're addressing it, they didn't explain it to them right, and they were all very confused of which trust they should they should establish. Mm-hmm. So you really dig you really you really dig deep in these families, and the heart wrenching part is that they just they just they don't know enough to make these final decisions, and it's always about money. Yeah, yeah. I pulled up to, just to sort of put this in perspective. I I pulled up um, a, a document that was put together by MetLife actually, uh, and, and the title of it you could probably find on the internet. It's called Children and Adults with Special Needs and the Planning Gap, and it, and this is sort of the second edition that I'm reading. It actually goes back a good number of years. This is 2011. But if, if you look at, I just pulled up randomly a page, the financial planning tasks that were completed. This is the survey that they did. And the highest number on here is 49%. And that's to identify a guardian. But that's the highest, which means that only less than half of of the respondents here of, of a parent of a special needs child has identified a guardian. So I, that, that to me was very startling, but I think it yeah. illustrates what you were just talking about that, that, that these are really challenging topics that, that families are going through. But I do think it, it illustrates the importance that, um, that there needs to be some, there, there needs to be a focus on this. And I, I do agree. I think that there has to be an advisor that is really helping with the family through this. And, and, you know, that's why we're bringing Mike on, um, uh, our next podcast, because he is one of those advisors that is really helping a lot of families. Again, he has uh, his own family that that he's gone through this with. But it's really, you know, I mean, just that to me was a very startling statistic. Yeah, and and, and back to the money side, I wanted to, I just wanted to make a statement that I heard from someone a while back. It said taking care of a special need child is like sending your child to Harvard every every year for the rest of their lives. That's mm. the cost. If you think about that, how does a family survive with that? How does yeah. a family set up enough structure in their family planning to, to help this cost factor, especially if it goes to a sibling or goes to someone close to the family, which might, quite often it does? How do you supplement that 
with these children. Now, there's another case that I worked with um, years ago. Actually, Michael has been working with these about 20 years now mm-hmm. with Stephen. Mm-hmm. Um, Stephen was, a, was two and a half years old at the time and had an ear infection, went to a doctor, and they performed surgery. Uh, and did something, and they 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 caused all kinds of mental problems for, for Stephen, and he was totally disabled. I, I won't get into the, all the details, but it was it was not good. Mm-hmm. And they and they won a lawsuit uh, against the hospital. Again, I'm I'm getting to the liability, but this is what happened to this particular client, and they got a settlement from the insurance company, and they got peace and a settlement structure, and they got peace that they got outright cash. So they hired me to manage the cash or the other part of the investments for the family. And and it, it it was so stressful for them to try to worry about all the things that Stephen needed. Now, Stephen has a normal life expectancy. He He's now 24, mm-hmm. and I met him when he was two and a half. And we manage these assets in a trust. Now, if you understand taxes, I think you already know we do, a lot of these trusts are not being managed properly in these trusts because trusts are heavily taxed. So I was working with a, with a bank that um, I structured an annuity structure to shelter the income tax on these on these portfolios. Mm-hmm. And they didn't like my recommendation. For some reason, they didn't like annuities. But it was the best tax maneuver for them to shelter the tax on the earnings. And we went through that battle with the with the uh, uh, with the bank and finally won that battle because the client said to them, John's running our, our finances, pay attention to John. Well, to make a long story short, that account is a lot larger today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it never, diamond tax has never been paid on that on that account. And Steve is gonna be well protected for the rest of his life and then some. And what's ever left in this trust goes to his sibling. Uh, I, think, I think he's got a, a, a brother and a sister, if I recall. So, so understanding the components of these structures is is important. But now, twenty years plus of working with this family, we meet him at least once a year, and we come in, we go through what's going on with Stephen, and he's doing great. Um, and the income these investment portfolios are producing, he doesn't need. So we just keep reinvesting back in the portfolios, and it's going to grow for the family and for his siblings. But he has access to it on top mm-hmm. of what he gets from Social Security. So it's a real, real neat design when you look at these trust structures and they you do on a tax-efficient basis. They're really, really dynamic. Yeah, I just yeah, one I can't imagine because when my wife and I you know, first had children, uh, we don't have special needs children, but one of the first things we needed to, to cover was what happens if both of us pass away. I think every parent has to go through that question, Correct. and we needed to make sure we – chose at that time it was term life insurance for us personally that was my our personal decision that's not a recommendation but for us at our age it was term life insurance to make sure that if i passed away my wife would have everything that she needed to so she wouldn't have to work right away you know help the kids through their grieving process so on and so forth um you know no bills all that jazz but also we had to consider what happens if both of us were to pass away for some for some reason um, who would take them? We, we established guardianship, but we also had to make sure that monetarily they would be able to adjust their lifestyle to take care of our two children. And I, I can't imagine the mountain that you're looking at when you're looking at a special needs child with how much has to be covered, how much help is going to be needed. Uh, even considering the natural uh, or the biological children that aren't special needs, um, you know, 
are they going to be getting the attention that they need? You know, do I need to bring in somebody, uh, depending on the severity of the special needs child, you know, that's going to be doing some help, you know, whether it's a, a nanny position, something like that, that would help alongside the parenting so that the parents have time to spend time with children that aren't special needs, because we know that special needs children need a ton of attention, a lot of help, depending on the severity of whatever disability they have. Um, I just, I can't imagine that process that you go through with these families to help them to kind of step through the, you know, this, this maze that they have to go through. Well, that was the one, the, the one question I was going to ask you, dad, for those that are listening that are maybe, um, dealing with, with all of these complexities, how do you, in, in the past or where have families been successful or dealing with that to actually start the process? Because I imagine it's very overwhelming for them to even start. And they may be thinking that, uh, they, they, you know, I've, I've read some articles where people thought that, hey, I can't even have a specific trust because I don't have enough money, right, which is not really the case. But how do you how do you motivate families that are maybe going through that? Is it a counseling process? Is it just spending a lot of time? How, how where you've seen the families be successful like um, uh, uh, Mike and Jeannie, how, how are they how are they successful in starting that process? Yeah, it's it's, it's really a, a decision they make right up front that they need help. Because uh, they're concerned as the kids get older, um, their needs start to change. And in Mike's case, he was concerned about making sure that everything they needed from Social Security. Uh, but when they come of age, what's going to happen to the, you know, you know, you know, to the children? So, so the estate plan became a a component of that. Now, to your point, Eric, he bought life insurance and put it in this special needs trust. Um, that was going to be a beneficiary of that policy because he knew that he was going to have to fund because mm-hmm. both his children pretty much can have a normal life expectancy, same scenario. He wanted to make sure that he was he had secured enough money in this trust that it was going to be enough to take care of the kids. Mm-hmm. But something interesting happened along the way. Um, when you understand Social Security, and I'll let Michael get in, in that n- next time we talk, but basically you can invalidate that that benefit by receiving an inheritance from a family member. So mm-hmm. let's assume <laughs> rich Uncle Harry lave, you know, gave little Johnny uh, uh, $100,000 in his will because he knew little Johnny was, was disabled. Well, that came to little Johnny, and what Social Security would say was, well, wait a minute, yeah, we're giving you this benefit. We're going to stop giving you benefit. You have to pay that $100,000 down. We'll get you back into the system again. So it causes havoc yeah. when you don't have things wow. structured. So we had our families do. We sent a letter to all the family members that was that were close and were going to do something for little, little Mikey in this particular case. And we sent a letter out to say, if you want to make a gift, if you want to put Mikey in your will, if you want to do something special for him, make sure you send it to the special needs trust, not outright to little Mikey. Yeah. So we would send letters educating the family members that if they had intentions of giving little Johnny money to make sure it was earmarked for this trust so little Johnny, little Johnny or in this case Michael, didn't touch it mm-hmm. because it affects your Social Security benefits. They can kick you out. There was, a, there was a young girl out of Bethlehem, Pennsylvania who lived in the residential community where that actually occurred. She inherited a quarter of a million dollars from a, from a, from a grandfather. And they kicked her out of the residential community and would let her back in until she spent that down. But she, she, it, it changed her life forever. She lost her friends. Ugh. She lost her. It was, it was a terrible sight. That's unbelievable. But that's the rules. So you have to be very, very careful how, when you work with these families, instructions important. How to structure things to make sure that you don't lose that benefit you're getting from Social Security because you're entitled to that. 
So as you can see, it gets very, very involved. That's why I started the session with saying it's so involved in these discussions, it's almost hard to wrap your arms around where it goes. It's a whole different conversation than with a normal family with estate planning. Or in your case, Eric, a normal, I have to buy life insurance to take care of my children. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's all it's all the same, but it's 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 just blown to a larger scale when you have a special needs child because of the cost of taking care of that child. Yeah, I mean, even that project, just the the buying of the life insurance, that whole decision might be might be calculated one way depending on the family circumstance without a special needs child. But as you said a little earlier, Dad, it's like sending your child to Harvard every year. Yeah. Well, that might change the the calculation a great deal. Yes, yeah, mm-hmm. so I, I I think it's really important. For anyone listening that that is going through this uh, this challenge of, of special needs plan to really work with somebody that I think has expertise in that, um, which which again is another reason why we're bringing uh, Mike on for our next podcast because I, I we really wanted to have him sort of walk through some of the details and things that that are important for families to think about. You know, as you mentioned, qualifying for governmental benefits, making sure that the trusts or the estate plan that's put in place doesn't violate that long term because if there if that is going to be an ongoing benefit that the child's entitled to you you certainly don't want to have and, and that and that's a, just a terrible story of that of that um, young lady that lost her her housing and her friends because you know of a of a something a snafu that somebody did and obviously it was well intentioned but that those are some of the complexities that you get into here that it really requires a, an expert hand uh, to guide the family through it yeah, absolutely. I had another uh, presentation I made with the Devereaux Foundation with a smaller group. It was about 20 families. And I, and I started to talk about this, this history of the child. And I, and, I, and I said to everyone, I want everyone to just close your eyes. I want you to think about the first day your child was born, that first moment. And you knew something wasn't right. And the doctors came in. And everybody was concerned. And then you went through that process. And then the child started to grow and get a little older. And now she's a toddler or he's a toddler. What, 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 what happened at, at that age group? What, what do you have to accommodate that child with? What, what benefits do you have to give that child? And now they're eight or nine years old. You know, what, what changes occurred in their lives at that point? What friends did they have? What camps did they like? Mm-hmm. What, what, what people did they feel comfortable with? What doctors, what dentists work or didn't work? What, what, what physical therapy? individuals worked and not work with i mean it, it the discovery is incredible and i said i want you to, now i want you to open your eyes i want you to think about creating this book of tracking all this mm-hmm. for the benefit of the next guardian and it was so impactive that they they all they all started writing notes there uh, at that meeting trying to remember 15 years ago yeah. what happened because yeah. because no one introduce that concept to them. Now you think that's common sense, but, but they're so stressed by this this event that some families just don't do that. And, yeah, there's and just so much other stuff problem. going on, right? I yeah. mean, it's, it's overwhelming. Yeah, it, it's it's a challenge. And 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 I'll, I'll tell you, every family that we come across, and Michael, you, you could agree, we put language in the trust that we designed to accommodate special needs children just in case one appears in the family someone down the road mm-hmm. for that benefit for that for that control of what assets get inherited by this child it gets automatically diverted to the special needs trust and the child doesn't touch it because yeah. then you run into all kinds of as i said earlier benefit um hindrances as, as you go on so there's a lot of moving parts to this and there's a lot of a lot of concerns about doing it right 
and and there's a lot of material that families have to read and it gets updated all the time the government changes their programs mm-hmm. all the time i mean it's a challenge but the real challenge is the emotional component of of, of having this, this this special needs child in the family and if something happened to the parents what happens and where does it, where does it has a child get taken care of and so that guardianship to michael's 49 percent uh, percentage point that's that's an indicator that that hasn't changed a whole lot yeah uh, a lot of families don't have someone in mind because they don't know who to give this child to yeah and i'm i'm really looking forward to mike coming on the podcast we're, we're running yeah. really low on time today do you guys have any closing thoughts for today's podcast uh, I didn't mean to be a downer today <laughs> in our, this podcast, but <laughs> it's, it's, it's a serious topic. Yeah. And I would suggest to anyone that has a special needs child to to get with a professional that can help you discover other options, other maybe uh, um, solutions to your concerns that you might have. But you need to you need to pay attention to it. And most families do. They just get lost in it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, just to add to that, I would say if you're if if this podcast interested you, I would definitely subscribe if you haven't already subscribed to our podcast um, so that you'll automatically get notified when our next podcast comes out with uh, with Mike um, as you'll get a lot more detail um, we're pretty excited to have him on as well so I would add that to the uh, to the equation absolutely that's a great point Michael John thank you so much it, it is a tough subject but I'm so glad that you brought it to the forefront yeah we're happy our to. pleasure all right and I want to thank you all for listening to the truth about wealth podcast with John and Michael Paris. If you have not subscribed, just like Michael said, please subscribe now. It'll help alert you when the next one comes out, and that one's going to be absolutely amazing. It also makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. And if you know somebody that needs to hear this information, think right now, who do you know that may have this situation in their life and may just need someone to walk alongside them to help them with this? Um, It'd be great for them to get this podcast and the next one into their hands so they have a little bit more answers. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Copper Beach Financial Group, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Truth About Wealth podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Copper Beach Financial Group. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Copper Beach is not affiliated with APFS and APA. These situations may not be representative of other clients. There is no assurance your experience will be similar and no assurance of financial success. Any comments or postings are provided for informational purposes only and do not constitute an offer or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or other financial instruments. Readers should conduct their own review and exercise judgment prior to investing. Investments are not guaranteed, involve risk, and may result in a loss of principal. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Investments are not suitable for all types of investors.